Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network. I'm Burke Allen, live in Washington, D.C. And the show is a service of our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. If you're a speaker or meeting planner and you've been sidelined by COVID-19, log on to SpeakerMatch.com and get things back in gear. SpeakerMatch.com, proud to sponsor the Big Time Talker podcast. Hey, we're talking uh, music today on the podcast with my friend Michael Lipton, who's the executive director of the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame. It's that time again, time for the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And like most things, it's been impacted by COVID. It originally scheduled to happen several months ago. Now will happen uh, as a television and online broadcast only. No live performance, but uh, with, with challenges also come new opportunities. So, Michael, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Bert, thanks for having me. And um, things have changed a little since we were uh, two weeks away from having the ceremony and, and then just had to kind of pull the plug on it back in April. The world changed. But but there are opportunities, and you were able to do some cool things with the Hall of Fame induction this time because it is broadcast that, that perhaps you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Yeah. Um, this is our eighth ceremony, and all the others have been broadcast live. There's something about live television, like three hours of live television, that creates an incredible amount of adrenaline, and um, and there's nothing like a live audience. But obviously that wasn't to be. And uh, we did have it scheduled again to do it in front of an audience in November. And then a couple of months ago, we decided that we should just put our energy into making it into something a little different. So um, it's it's a kind of a made-for-TV broadcast. It's a TV special. It's not kind of, you know, this virtual thing of what happened before. We filmed it in segments, and uh, Chris Oxley from West Virginia Public Broadcasting is stitching it all together. About two-thirds of it was filmed at the Culture Center in Charleston, as which is our kind of home and also the home to Mountain Stage. Um, but we had uh, musical performances and presentations that were filmed in uh, Nashville, Los Angeles, New York, and Bakersfield. So it makes for, you know, kind of something... Something a little different. We did trim it down a little. It's a two-hour show, and uh, we have five inductees this year. As usual, there's kind of something for everyone, really. Well, it is, and and that's one of the things that surprised me when I started uh, hanging out with you and had just the incredible blessing and opportunity to be a part of uh, a couple of those Hall of Fame inductions before is that diversity of performers that, that have – West Virginia ties, and and I want to get into that a little bit as we talk about the the folks who are being inducted this year. And and by the way, if you're just joining us on the podcast, Michael Lipton's our guest. He is the executive director and grand poobah of the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame, and their induction ceremony is televised this year, November 14th. You can catch it on West Virginia Public Television and also the West Virginia Public Broadcasting uh, website. Do you have any idea, Michael, how many state music Hall of Fames there are in the USA? How many uh, others besides West Virginia? No, I mean, there's. Um, we kind of looked at that once, and I just can't remember. I think, I don't know, maybe half to two-thirds of the states do. Because, you know, when you, you think about musical heritage, you tend to think about different regions. You know, California for the Beach Boys and, and Jan and Dean, Nashville for country, uh, Deep South for blues. Uh, you know, New York City for jazz and, and the Great American Songbook, or 
or you know Seattle, the uh, the Seattle Sound, the Pacific Northwest for grunge. But you've been at it for a long time. You're a musician along with being the executive director of the the, the Hall of Fame. What is it you think that that makes West Virginia music unique? I think every state has a has a little bit of everything. Um, although some states are are more put in a pigeonhole or a, you know a musical folder. And I think most people think that, you know, when they hear West Virginia, they think of country roads. They think of, uh, that's right. you know, bluegrass, traditional music, gospel, or country. But, um, you know, as you know, and, and as I've come to find out also, um, there's the same, you know, um, you know, pastiche of music here that there is every place else. But and maybe you know in a smaller state like West Virginia, it's a little it's a little more surprising, perhaps. But there's also something about West Virginia, which I mean, you know, you you grew up in the thick of it in Logan. There's something a little different here, you know, a little different in the water. You know, you get people like Hassel Atkins, and you know, I mean, I use him because he's kind of the perfect example of the kind of uh, uh, you know iconic. Do it yourself, you know. Don't listen to anybody else, kind of guy. And and there is a strain of that um, that runs through West Virginia for sure. And uh, you know, this year, um, Mafe Nutter certainly has that. The Hammonds family has that. Um, you know, Ethel Kathy Austin has spent her whole life, you know, singing the gospel, spreading the gospel, but also building bridges and being an educator. Um, Larry Gross certainly has been drinking the water since he got here. Um, in his words, as soon as he could, we've left someone out. Oh, Sonny and Honey Davis. And they did it their own way, too. They were one of the more popular brother-sister country singing groups of, uh, you know, I think the late 40s. You, you know, you're right about that, though, and, and being a, a product of the Appalachian coal fields, um, it's tough back there. You know, the, not that anyone anywhere uh, is going to welcome you with open arms in, in the music industry or any industry, but, but man, uh, you have a lot to overcome when you are uh, a musician in West Virginia in in. You're almost like the you know that that really strong weed that grows up like uh, through a crack in the sidewalk until you get to sunlight. And these folks have done it. Um, and, and I've been amazed, Michael, when I've, I've participated in these Hall of Fame inductions before. The, the people you would have no idea, you know, grew up there. You know, Billy Cox from Jimi Hendrix Band, or Bill Withers, or you know, as you said, you you, you tend to think of it as traditional Appalachian. Uh, music, but there's so much more there. And, and let's go ahead and let's tick through some of these folks. So uh, they're Hall of Famers in West Virginia, and maybe not necessarily uh, big names everywhere, and that's kind of okay. So Maeve Nutter, for example, there's a guy that was a uh, you know, character actor and also a great singer-songwriter. Yeah, um, he's, he's a real, you know, he's a, he's a self-made character, too, that, that just, he did anything that he needed to do you know to get by and that's kind of i think a hallmark of being from a place like west virginia and uh oh i think he was in a band early on in um near his home in clarksburg called what's it called 
Mafe and the Peanutters or something like that. I mean, he was on <laughs> he was on TV a TV show when he was, when he was really young, I think, in his early teens. And you know, and he when I think he was in Battle Creek, Michigan, for a while, or and and then he, and then he did some recordings at Stax in Memphis that are just killer R and B stuff. One of my favorite my favorite song of his when when I called him to tell him he was inducted, I said on one condition that you play Head Shrinker, and uh, the chorus of Head Shrinker is uh, somebody get me a Head Shrinker. There's something wrong with my thinker. I need a different woman every night. What a great lyric. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, again, you know, maybe some things wouldn't be quite as popular today. But um, he was also, and this is, his his career is just kind of like, you know, it's a real head scratcher. Okay, like, then he's out in California, and he's playing at the Troubadour, and Frank Zappa happens to see him and wants to sign him to his bizarre record label. And Mafe's music was anything but bizarre. Right. It wasn't cookie cutter. And so Mafe said, you know, I don't know that much about what you do, but I don't think I fit in with your, you know, your roster. And so according to May, you know, he goes, and Mafe, in fact, one of the lines in Head Shrinkers, like, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't gamble. And so Zappa you know, reportedly said, well, that's one of the things I find interesting. And we'll start a record label for you, and we're going to call it Straight Records. And so, um, as the story goes, Mafe was uh, the first one on Zappa's label, Straight Records. And he did a number of singles on that label. And then, even after he wasn't recording for Straight, he was his, his publisher was still Third Story Music, Zappa's publishing and there was a connection with him and merle haggard's band too right and and you talked about bakersfield and buck owens i mean that he was in that whole world yeah he was um uh he and buck were big buddies he was on buck's tv show 56 times wow and uh and i think uh some of the singles that he did for and i can't remember which label he was on four or five major labels um the strangers you know um merle haggard's band backed him up um, and then, as you mentioned, he was a character actor on Gunsmoke, Dukes of Hazard. I think it was Little House on the Prairie. Um, you know, a number of those shows. Yeah, a lot of those uh, soap operas in the 80s. I remember Falcon Crest and Knott's Landing when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 right, right, right. And um, and he also did voiceovers for Disney. I mean, he, you know, he's another guy. He's he does what needs to be done. I love that. And by the way, if you want to find out more about Mafe Nutter or any of the inductees, visit wvmusichalloffame.com, wvmusichalloffame.com, and you can learn more about the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame, their educational outreach, and, of course, their induction uh, ceremony, which uh, is broadcast on West Virginia Public Television and online uh, Saturday, November 14th. Um, and you have somebody pretty special that's going to help induct Mafe Nutter. Yeah, and this was kind of a surprise when you know when we talk to people about who's going to present their award. We certainly have, you know, some uh, maybe some uh, hopes. You know, obviously for us, the bigger the fish, the better. And yep. um, but but we do ultimately leave it up to the inductee and that, and we found that it's just better like that. So, um, Maeve's choice was Pat Boone and they've been friends for 
many decades, and I'm not sure how the relationship started, but I know in the 60s, Pat uh, recorded one of Maeve's songs called What a Pair We Make. Yep. Pat was going to come out here in April, and obviously, again, that didn't happen. But so um, we we arranged for them to perform these songs and video the songs in Bakersfield. So we have all that, you know, that's all cut into the show, and it's really, uh, yeah, it's kind of great. It's uh, and Mace, you know, Mace singing great, and he's, you know, he's a totally sweet guy. So I've actually got a personal connection somewhat to uh, to one of your inductees, Sonny Davis of the Davis Twins, uh, because in his early career, he was a, a radio DJ, as was I. And we, we both worked at the radio station in Logan, West Virginia, WVOW, which stands for the, the Wonderful Voice of West Virginia. But the Davis Twins were all over radio and all over TV um, back in the 50s and 60s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sonny was also the first DJ on WKLC. And, wow. And, and he, I asked him why I left. And he left when he started playing rock and roll. Yeah, well, yeah, because the the call letters stand for Kanawha Loves Country for Kanawha County. That's what WKS. Oh, is that's something for. I didn't really, really, I didn't know that. Yeah, because it was a country station. So, so for folks who are not familiar with the Davis Twins, um, they do sort of fit somewhat into that that West Virginia feel that you might expect. There was you know mandolin and guitar and and sort of that country rockabilly feel. Yeah. Um, well, they were they were born in Ohio, but we won't hold that against them. <laughs> I guess they, you know, they were playing since they were four and five, that that kind of deal, and singing together. And they entered all these contests, and I guess they won about every one of them. And then we, when they were, I think it was twelve, they entered a contest in Ohio. I guess it was the Ohio State Fair. I think came in first, playing in front of ten thousand people. Wow. And like the next day, they received calls from the Jamboree and WWVA inviting them to be a part of the show. Well, um, their parents thought that they were just a little too young at age 12. No kidding. So, so they waited a year. And then at age 13, they moved to West Virginia. You know, like Larry Gross says, they got there as soon as they could. Right. And... um and, uh, you know, first became a part of WWVA, then the Sagebrush Roundup, and, um, and, and they traveled elsewhere as well. And that jamboree, uh, you know, for many, many years was right up there with the Grand Ole Opry and the Louisiana Hayride. It was a hugely influential, uh, you know, country radio show oh, yeah. that was heard all over the country, you know, that huge signal like that. Mm-hmm. No, no, for sure. I love the stories, Michael, of folks like you and Sonny and Honey Davis and and Larry Gross, who who choose West Virginia as a place to live. And and you know I've lived out of state for a long time now, and and you know West Virginia is much maligned around the country, still is, but it it, it warms your heart to hear when people come there and they make it their home, and that's exactly what what Larry Gross did, and and Larry's you know a friend of both of us, and um. My goodness, what an impact that guy has had on West Virginia. Yeah, he's a, well, we have basically, there's two categories of people we induct. 
and that's someone who was born here, obviously. And then there's also, you know, and, and a lot of those people left early on. So some of these people who weren't born here, like Bob Thompson and Larry Gross, they've spent many more years in West Virginia than some of the people who are quote-unquote natives. But that's all what it's about. And we just want to, and even the folks who, you know, who kind of left early on, um, there hasn't been anyone that we've talked to, and which is also kind of the inspiration for a movie we did, West Virginia, My Home, that growing up here is quite different than growing up almost any other place. Um, and that it leaves you with certain building blocks for your life and, you know, certain set of standards and morals. And I don't think, I mean, we've talked to pretty much, you know, kind of all the, all the big stars, I think, you know, and we really haven't come in contact with anyone who's like crashed and burned. And I was kind of attributing that to, to being raised here. Right. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, there's an awful lot of state pride in that state, too. Larry grew up in Texas, and Texas, I think, might be the only other state in the Union that has as much state pride as West Virginia. And if you're not familiar with Larry Gross, uh, maybe you're not a, a West Virginian, you're listening from somewhere else in the country, we appreciate that. Larry has, for a long time now, over 30 years, been the host and uh, one of the the chief uh, bottle washers at Mountain Stage, which is broadcast nationally on on. Uh, national Public Radio and American Public Media, uh, and was a TV show for for many years as well. Uh, and you may also remember him in, in the 1970s. He had a huge top ten uh, novelty song called "Junk Food Junkie," and and where many kids know Larry from are all those uh, huge Disney albums that came out in the 1970s. And I was a kid in the 70s, and you know we had those albums at my home when I was growing up. Yeah. So Larry has become this ambassador for the state of West Virginia through this show, Mountain Stage. You're a part of that, that house band in Mountain Stage. Tell me something about Mountain Stage that maybe I don't know, some amazing experience that you had of someone from somewhere else that, that heard Mountain Stage and it brought it to them, or someone who came into the state to, to, to hear that show or see, see a performance of that show in person. Tell me something that might surprise me about Mountain Stage. Well, um, let me see. I'm not the best historian, but I know there are many stories where people have kind of made pilgrimages here. You know, I mean, I don't like this term, but like their bucket list thing is going to see Mountain Stage. Right. And I, I, there were some people from Connecticut, I think, that came here last year. And and, and it's happened a fair amount. Um, and I think that, and, and artists the same way, you know. I mean, um, oh, who was just, uh, yeah, yeah. Now, nowadays, almost every artist who's on a show who's younger just says, you know, I've listened to this show for years and I can't believe I'm on it and all that stuff. And, you know, again, for us, it's, it's, we certainly don't take it for granted, but I think one of the things that makes it stand out and makes it different from, uh, the experience both on both sides of the microphone is that it's run by West Virginians, you know, and they don't have a, they don't have an agenda. They don't have an attitude. It's just, everybody wants people to come here and have a good time. And, and there's no BS. 
And you're right about artists. You know, I, I was in radio in Charleston in the early 90s, and and, and it's still talked about back there today where uh, REM played Mountain Stage. And I think, if I remember correctly that year, because I, I was working at a top 40 radio station when they were the biggest band in the world that year, I think they played Mountain Stage and Saturday Night Live that year, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, I think there was one other thing. But that's, yeah, that's it. So and, if you're a fan of uh, Larry and Mountain Stage, he's one of our inductees this year, and, and what an honor to, to have that guy as part of the class of 2020. Yeah, and they're and one of their managers, his name's Burke too, right? That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah, he's from Montgomery, but that, like, kind of coincidentally or ironically, had nothing to do with the band deciding to do Mountain Stage. They had sponsored Mountain Stage, paid for it on WUGA since the very, very early days of the show. That's very cool. I did not know that. Yeah, Burtis Downs is the, the manager. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. Right. Um, We're talking with Michael Lipton, the executive director of the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame. Their induction ceremony is televised this year on West Virginia Public Broadcasting and also online. And I keep mentioning online. Will it be broadcast on the West Virginia Public Television website or on the Hall of Fame website? Where can people watch it if they're not in the state? Not the Hall of Fame website. It's going to be on West Virginia Public Broadcasting on uh on their main channel. It'll also be streamed at wvpublic.org and on WVPB's Facebook site and their portal for members, which is Passport. Got it. So lots of places that you can see it. It's this Saturday, and the broadcast starts at what time? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock Eastern. Okay. And, And it's trimmed down a little from, you know, usually it's, three hours. I can't remember if I mentioned this before. It's two hours now um, because we wanted it to fit into, uh, you know, a nice convenient time slot. And for each inductee, we do um, a seven-minute film, which is really the most uh, time-consuming and difficult part of this preparation. Michael Valentine, a videographer from Huntington, who does really, really wonderful work, puts these all together, and they're just incredible. They're, they're just filled with, with old footage and photos and, um, and you know, about, about the backstory of these people's careers. Well, and one of the ones, that, uh, those, those films, those vignettes are, are really amazing, and the one that I'm really excited to see is the, the one you guys have put together for inductees, The Hammonds Family, because they were sort of, you know, turn of the century and even before, um, but man, what a, a an incredible undertaking to sort of unearth this music from them. And, and look, they're in the Library of Congress, and uh, there have been books written about the Hammonds family, but, but how did you put together enough material to build that vignette about them? And, and for folks who are listening that aren't familiar with the Hammonds family and why they're important, tell us about them. Okay, they are probably, you know, the the preeminent traditional music um, family in West Virginia. And if you're going to, um, you know, take a dive into West Virginia music, you should start with the Hammonds family. And, and, and they've been very important for a number of reasons. They were, they were kind of isolated. And so, so they kind of came up with their own style and own sound. Every, almost everybody who played music back then around here listened to them they were based 
predominantly in um, uh, Greenbrier and Pocahontas County. And they have all the, you know, there's all these kind of colorful stories that go along with that era of West Virginians who lived, you know, way out in the country. Uh, Carl Fleischauer, Gerald Milnes, who many people should know Gerald. He's a musician and a musicologist. And his son is Jesse Milnes, who um, also, uh, he's also performing on the show, on, on, on the induction ceremony show. And his wife, I should add, Emily Miller, uh, used to be with the Sweetback Sisters. She's They moved back to West Virginia, which is a story we love to kind of promote. And now Emily is uh, the artistic director at the Augusta Heritage Center. So all of this kind of comes full circle. But Carl Fleischauer, Gerald Milnes, and Dwight Diller, another very important traditional musician, became enamored with them and started photographing them and documenting them. And that's where a good bit of our information came from. In fact, I uh, kind of deferred to Carl and Gerald in in the bio that, you know, that's in the vignette because it can get kind of confusing. The Hammonds family, and if you see a picture of them, it is very much... Uh, what what you would imagine, you know, the uh, Devilance Hatfield uh, would uh, and his family would look like. They are from that era, very much right out of the mountain. Yeah, well, there's there's a great photo that's, you know, if you look them up, you'll see this photo. You know, inevitably, they're sitting in front of a log cabin, and there's three of them, and one of them has a, a fiddle, one has a gramophone, and one has a shotgun. That's right, uh, as it should be. Yeah. And then the the fifth inductee in this year's West Virginia Music Hall of Fame uh, is Ethel Caffey Austin, and yeah. uh, what a uh, what an incredible story about uh, this lady you mentioned earlier. You know, she spreads the gospel, but she also uh, educates and entertains. Tell me about your interactions with her. What's she like? Well, she's a she's a, a wonderful, positive, you know, upbeat person, and uh, and she. You know, that just comes through in everything she does. She was born in Bluefield. She was raised in Mount Hope. She got a degree at um, uh, WVIT, West Virginia Institute of Technology in Montgomery. And um, and she's basically lived around these parts for her whole life. And um, she's she hosts uh, gospel workshops piano, singing, I think even playing um, gospel tambourine, which is kind of a unique thing unto itself. She's also, she played um, in Eastern Europe, and I think was one of the first um, artists that does that kind of black gospel music to be um, you know, presented over there, also in Western Europe, all over the U.S. But her energy has really been focused on West Virginia, and so many people, um, yeah, you know, she, she's really impacted so many people. We had when um, she she's had some health problems, so so she had a difficult time with this. But it's really her her segment is beautiful, and her and her playing is it's not as powerful, it's more measured, but it's really it is beautiful. And we had three people singing backup with her on one song, and one was Ethel's sister. And the other two, Melody Jordan, who's from um, a musical family in Charleston, and Annie Neely, who is from Clarksburg, 
had coincidentally both taken gospel workshops from Ethel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's going to be a great uh, program, and I'm really looking forward to watching it. It's Saturday night, November 14th, 7 o'clock Eastern, the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Michael, I've always thought I have one of the best jobs in the world. Growing up in the coal fields and, and seeing guys that really work for a living, I've thought, man, to be able to, to do what I do for a living is, is fantastic. However, I must say, you are the guy that has the best job in the world. Oh, I don't know about that. Some days, yes, some days, no. But I think the most fun thing is calling people to tell them they've been voted in. The very first year we we did this, uh, I started the Hall of Fame in 2005. In 2007, you know, after a year or so, we said, well, I guess we better do an induction ceremony. That's what we're supposed to be doing because we had no idea really what to do. And um, saying, okay, well, Bill Withers is the biggest fish. So let's start there and see what kind of, um, you know, reception we get. And so we got a hold of, of Bill. I just started this West Virginia Music Hall of Fame. We're having our first induction ceremony next year, which was going to be 2007. And you were voted in, and we were wondering if you would come here to accept your award. And he didn't hesitate. And, and that, and, and we said, okay, I think maybe, maybe we're onto something because, um, and, and it's been true for many of these people that they've, they've received accolades and awards all over the country, in some cases all over the world. But as we found, there's something very different in being recognized in your home state. And I think particularly in a state like West Virginia. Um, and so we've kind of found that over and over again, and and people have echoed that. I think it was Bill who said in his acceptance speech was, you can leave West Virginia, but it follows you everywhere. Uh, it, you just locked it in. You have the best job ever on the planet. It's very cool. Uh, before I let you jump, you guys do a lot of uh, educational outreach into communities, and, and we've been able to be a part of that. How has the pandemic affected the mission of the Hall of Fame. I imagine it's tough for you to get out into into schools a whole lot. I know you have a location where people can visit the Hall of Fame in the Charleston Town Center Mall. How are you guys doing what you do? Yeah, um, right. We can't go into schools, which presented a big problem for our uh, music career counseling program, which, you know, coming with Landau, we go into schools and talk to kids about careers, both performing and non-performing in music. Um so we're we're doing something that I thought to do before the virus, and obviously I wish I would have done it because we would have been prepared. Um, but we're going to f- start filming these little talks. They're five to seven minute talks by people who are in the business and in the industry. And this goes from singers and performers and songwriters to also caterers, um, event producers, management, all, all that kind of stuff and we hope you will do one. Um, So we're going to start filming them and have a library of them on our website that schools can have access to. Oh, that's a great idea, and I'd be honored to, sure. How can folks support the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame and and your mission? What do they need to do if they want to throw a few uh, bucks at the cause? Well, um, you can visit the website, and there is a donate donor donate button. And um, we're kind of tweaking our kind of what you'd get for a membership. It's 
kind of fallen between the cracks a bit. Um, and, you know, for a donation, you, you can get some of our merchandise. There's T-shirts, hats, a flask, and we can either send that empty or filled. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm trying to think of what else we have. So, but, the, you know, there's a number of different ways to do it, and uh, and we certainly appreciate it because we are uh, a nonprofit, and we are in West Virginia, which is kind of the double whammy. So um, it's always a kind of fight to the finish. That website is wvmusichalloffame.com, the 2020 West Virginia Music Hall of Fame induction of Ethel Kathy Austin, Sonny and Honey Davis, Larry Gross, the Hammonds family, and Maeve Nutter happens November 14th from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time on West Virginia Public Broadcasting. You can also find it online as well. Michael Lipton, Executive Director, thanks for spending some time to talk tunes. Oh, thanks for having me on, Burke. It's always, if, if I don't get to see you, it's good to talk to you. Right back at you, my friend. Hey, thank you for listening wherever you are today. Whatever you're doing, we appreciate you stopping by the Big Time Talker podcast, which is a service of speakermatch.com. I'm Burke Allen. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. <laughs>